Moving house. With kids. Mum! Moving house checklist. Top packing tips. Do it ourselves or hire movers? Hiya! <sighs> Things to do in the school holidays. Best solo holidays. <sighs> when life gives you questions, get answers at which.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Witch Shorts podcast. I'm Rob Lilly. Now, how often do you think about the way you pay? It seems like a weird question, but if you're anything like me, you'll happily tap or swipe without much thought for what's actually happening to our money. This week, we look at what the future holds, diving deeper into the digital cash revolution. To read us this article, originally written by James O'Malley, I'll hand you over to the host of the Witch Money podcast, Lucia Ariano. In 2016, Tim Cook, chief executive of Apple, made a bold announcement at one of the company's regular press events. Apple's new goal, he announced, was to eliminate the humble wallet. And the way he was going to do it was by launching an entirely new payment system that used our phones, instead of a plastic card with a microchip inside it. Six years on, and this concept doesn't seem quite as off the wall as it might have back then. In 2020, mobile wallet payments, including Apple Pay and Google's equivalent system, Google Pay, were used in 7.2% of European point-of-sale transactions, as well as 26.4% of online sales, according to payment processor WorldPay. And it seems inevitable that they will continue to grow, given that they're more convenient and more secure than traditional payment methods. The way Apple Pay and Google Pay work is clever. On one level, they function in the same way as traditional card payments. The virtual card on your phone sends a 12-digit number, which the merchant can then use to take money from your bank account. But what makes them smart is that the number sent by your phone isn't the same as the account numbers printed on your card. Instead, it uses a technique called tokenization to disguise your real bank account details. When you set up your virtual card on your phone's digital wallet, your phone connects to your bank account to create a new digital number, a token, that's tied specifically to your device. When you tap, the token number is sent instead. The merchant then asks the bank for your money, and the bank knows which real account the token is referring to. Using tokens means that even if a hacker was able to intercept the transaction, your card details won't be at risk. And if you lose your phone, you can easily disconnect your card from your now missing phone without having to endure the rigmarole of getting a new card from your bank. The other advantage of digital wallets such as Apple Pay and Google Pay is that it's easy to add a second layer of security as payments are made. For example, if a thief attempts to use a stolen payment card, they can just tap to pay. But to make a payment with your phone, they would need either a face ID, fingerprint or unlock code from the phone, which only you can supply. And the best part, because of these added layers of security, there are no spending limits using Apple Pay and Google Pay. Traditional credit and debit cards are limited to £100 when making contactless payments. But if you tap your phone instead, you can pay for goods that cost any amount, although some shops do impose their own limits. So these systems really are a significant innovation, a neat way of bringing cashless payments into the 21st century while making them much more secure. 
But perhaps the bigger revolution in payments is happening behind the scenes. Over the past decade, the way that banks talk to each other has been changing. Mandated by the government, all the major banks have decided to crack open the vault and give us more control over our money, thanks to a new data sharing platform called Open Banking, which launched in 2018. The idea behind Open Banking is simple. It provides an easy way for us to share our banking data securely with other apps and services. The thinking is that it could make banking and financial services more competitive and lead to the creation of new financial products and better ways to help us manage our money. It works in a similar way to how your phone might ask you to give permission to access your location data when you open a new map app. Except in this case, you would be sharing your banking details with financial apps. And by doing so, these apps could allow us to do some very clever things with our money. One example of this, which is already up and running, is an app called AppTap. Once you choose to share your bank data, it will look through your transactions and analyze your bills. Then it will let you compare what you're actually paying with quotes from other utility providers. Because your bank account is linked, it will help you to switch providers with ease. Open banking has also paved the way for some convenient new financial products, such as those offered by Klarna, which some retailers now use to let you buy now, pay later for goods. By using open banking, the app can look directly into your bank account and perform an instant credit check to decide whether you're worthy of a loan. Previously, a loan might have required you to present bank statements and other documentation. Even the traditional banks are getting in on open banking. For example, if you use the NatWest app, you can now add additional current accounts from other banks so you can manage all your money in one place. It's easy to assume that making banking more open will increase the risk of thieves and fraudsters getting their hands on your money. The good news is that open banking is just as heavily regulated as the rest of the banking industry. For example, there are strict rules on how data is transferred between organisations, how it must be encrypted and stored, and so on. And all the organisations that handle your data must themselves be registered with regulators. So don't expect a free-for-all where every app is suddenly begging you to grant access to your bank account. In fact, open banking actually makes certain types of payments more secure than they were before. Previously, for instance, when you transferred money to someone, you'd effectively have to type in the account number and sort code, then cross your fingers and hope that the cash was going to the right place. But now that the banking system has been opened up, your bank can check the name on the receiving account and warn you if it appears that your money is going somewhere it shouldn't be. So far, it appears that open banking has been a huge success. According to the catchily named Open Banking Implementation Entity, the body tasked with setting the rules and managing the new standard, 93 account providers have already signed up, with 331 regulated and 238 third-party providers plugging in to make use of the data. As the technology matures, it will be exciting to see what other new tools come along to help us manage our money. It's impossible to write about innovation in digital payments in 2022 without acknowledging the elephant in the room, crypto. Cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin and Ethereum are a form of digital money that have been designed to work without any central authority like the Bank of England to guarantee their value or the validity of transactions. Instead, payments are stored on a digital ledger, of which multiple copies are distributed among users of the currency. 
Transactions are ruled as illegitimate if other copies of the ledger agree. And this mechanism theoretically creates a trustworthy environment for sending and receiving money without the need to have any one individual or institution in charge. Although Bitcoin, the most well-known and widely used cryptocurrency, has been around since 2009, it's still early days for the technology. And even if you have some crypto in your virtual wallet, there still aren't many real-world ways of spending or otherwise using them. But this could be about to change. Last year, Facebook launched a new payment app called Novi, which users in the US can use to send remittances to Guatemala without the need to pay expensive transaction fees. Instead, dollars are converted to Novi, which the receiver at the other end converts back to Guatemalan quetzals. If the system is successful, it could be the start of something big. Facebook has long had grand plans to launch its own fully-fledged digital currency that all of us can use. If these plans come to fruition, then one day it might be completely normal for us to send money, not by using a bank account and sort code, but by attaching some cash to a WhatsApp message instead. There are, of course, many other people experimenting with crypto. According to Goin Gecko, the entire crypto market is worth around three trillion. Yes, trillion. So there is a chance that the technology could be the next big thing. But there is still enormous uncertainty and global financial regulators are taking increasing interest, with the most recent major development being China banning crypto entirely. Thank you so much to Lucia for taking us through that piece and to James O'Malley too, the author of that article which was originally written for the April issue of Which Tech magazine. Remember you can find more articles you'll find useful every day on everything from money and technology to home and garden advice by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters. And you can do that at which.co.uk forward slash newsletters. We'll be back next week for another episode of Which Shorts and thanks for listening. Which Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly, while the exec producer was Angus Farker. 